heart for you guys today is I want to charge you guys. I want to challenge you guys. And with something very, very significant and with, with something that's extremely missing in the body of Christ today. All right, and we'll get to that more in a minute. So that's what, that's what this service is actually, is what this is going to be at. But now as we settle back down and, we, and we've gone through our New Year's and, we, and we've gone through the celebration, all the parties, all the fireworks and all of that is over. When we talk about New Year's, and Michelle actually touched on this, what is, what is the one thing that you think of that everybody does at New Year's? It's New Year's resolutions, right? It's a new beginning. It's a new start. And I've been doing this for a long time. And just as Michelle said, I make it through to about the second week in January, and then it's done. You know, if I make it that far. But most of us do this, right? And uh, it's pretty interesting to watch people do this because it's, you know, they, 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 we all need to adjust areas in our life. Let's just be honest, right? And and so people come up with different ideas. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat better. That's one that I've 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 I really I've done that one for a long time, and I don't make it very far, you know, because it's it's hard, you know. The food's good, you know. I was doing so good. I haven't had a donut in probably three months time, and then we got here and we gathered here Friday night, and Cameron walks in the door. This is Natalie's boyfriend. He walks in the door. Those of you who don't know Cameron. And he has two dozen hot Krispy Kreme right off the, off, the, off the rack. And I'm like, man, there is a God, you know. There is a God because you guys know that's my weakness, right? But everybody does this at some point, you know. I'm going to budget better. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going be, to be, you know, all of the, uh, so many different things, right? Well, and we don't ever... All, not always make it through sticking to those. And that kind of leads me to what I want to talk to you about today. And, and, and I want to, God wants me to encourage you, each and every one of us, to take charge. That's what actually what I titled this message, Take Charge. What does I mean by taking charge? He wants you to take control of your Christian life. Amen? And, and, and some people, their, their, their life is spiraling out of control. And some people, and, and it's because of circumstances that they've created on their own. But some people, their, their Christian walk is spiraling out of control and they don't even realize it, right? And we'll talk some more about that as we go on into this. But he wants you to understand, he, what God wants, he really impressed this on my heart. Now, I know I say this a lot, right? You guys hear me say, this is important. Listen to me. This is important. I really believe that when the Holy Spirit inspires a message and I study these things out and God's speaking to me, he's giving me revelation. It is important. I understand because he's showing me things of why I need to preach this or why I need to teach this. Amen. So this is very important. And he really impressed this on my heart. But what God wants you to do is he wants every believer to go this year and to take charge of your Christian life, take control of your Christian life. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to be intentional about being the disciple God intended you to be. Amen. Everybody say, I'm a disciple. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a disciple. But are you living as a disciple? Right? And so... And that's what we're going to get into today. But now let's go back to the New Year's resolutions now. Why is it, right, that, is that people don't accomplish their New Year's resolutions, right? It's just because it's hard. It gets difficult. But mostly because life happens. Come on, let's just get real. You know, I like to bring everything down and make it just really, let's just get real. Life happens. It gets tough. It gets hard to get up in, early in the morning and go to the gym. And it gets hard to, to go to the store and, and, and put the steak down and buy spinach leaves. You know, who wants to do that? 
Really? What God make that for? I mean, seriously. But it gets tough, right? <laughs> She's thinking, you know, I really do think when she was talking about the diet thing up here, I think she was looking at me while she was saying that, right? That's why I wore my jacket this morning. Y'all don't know. Y'all have no idea what I ate, right? Right? But it gets, it gets really hard. Now, uh, let me ask you guys this. How many of you actually stuck to your resolution? Or how many of you did resolutions last year? Okay. Not as many as I thought some of you are, but be honest, we're in church, okay? We're going to have a prayer service for you later, right? Well, how many of you actually stuck to it the whole time? That's impressive. You can patch your... Ryan, you did not stick to your New Year's resolution, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, buddy. But listen, you guys can pat yourself on the back because according to statistics, that means Google, that 7% of the Americans stuck to their resolutions in 2019... And in 2020, it was not, went up, went to nine percent. So, point is, it, not a lot of people, not a lot of people stick to it. Not a lot, you know, because it's hard. It's hard. Now, when things get hard in your life, uh, what do you do? And you don't have to answer that, but ask yourself that: What do you usually do when things get hard? Because no matter how hard something is in your life, there's one simple fact: if you are determined to overcome it, or you are determined to accomplish that goal, you will, no matter how hard it is, right? No matter how, it's just a simple truth. That's actually the difference between winners and losers, really is. Winners win because they're determined to not quit. They're not going to give up. They're going to fight regardless. But people who lose, I won't say losers, that may offend someone. If that offends you, you're not a loser, I want you to know, all right? But listen, people who lose, they give up. They lose their oomph. They lose that strength. They lose that get-go, right? Glory to God. But winners put all they have. And I'm going to tell you something. Learn to desire God. Now, Keith did a great message. I'm going to kind of play off of that the other day, talking about desiring God. And this is, desiring God is something that is not, is, is, we don't see that much, as much as we should in the body of Christ. And this is happening, and we'll get to this in a minute, but this is happening not intentional. Now, people are walking away from God, and they don't even realize it. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll touch on that here in just a minute, right? But when you desire God, you'll pursue Him, all right? Because no matter whatever you desire the most, that's what you're going to put all of your effort and all of your energy into trying to attain and trying to get it, right? Because if you, if you, if you, if you desire those shoes... Right, Jeremy, and and you and you see them in the in the window, and you see them at the mall, or you see them online, and you see them, and you see them, and you see them, and when your wife's not looking, you're gonna get those shoes, right? You're gonna do. It. He knows what I'm talking about. It's just Jeremy likes shoes. That's all I'm gonna say. Just gonna say shoes and socks. But <laughs> but that's just a simple truth. Whatever you desire the most, you're gonna put all your effort into getting it. Yeah. Everything. I mean, this is this can be. And guys, this happens naturally. And this happens spiritually, right? So we're going to tie those together in a minute. But whatever you desire the most, so you need to desire God. And we, we say that, and, and that sounds like, well, Pastor, we just see that all the time. And now right about now, some of you may be trying to turn me off. Oh, gosh, Pastor's going to go back into another message about putting God first in our life, right? Well, yeah, we're going to touch on that again because this is very important, but there's going to be more to it. So stick with me. Don't shut down. Right? Don't shut down. I know it's, uh, it's a little warm in here, or maybe just me. 
but don't shut down. But we need to learn to desire God. And if you don't, if you don't desire God the way that you think that you should be, you need to create that desire. Because I'm going to tell you something, you can create a desire in your life. I mean, that's the simple truth. I remember the first time I drank beer. I picked that thing up, you know, all my friends were drinking. I picked it up, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get me one of these. I'm going to try this out. I took a drink of that, and that was the nastiest tasting stuff. I was like, I couldn't believe this. But I continued on and continued on, and the longer I drank it, and the more I drank it, as a teenager and on into my, in my, into my early 20s as I was drinking, I was drinking. Before you know it, after a while, I desired the flavor. I first hated the flavor. It was not, not pleasant. It wasn't good. But the more I kept, well, what's the point? The more I kept it before me, the more I kept partaking of it and I kept drinking it, the, more, the greater the desire came, right? And you can do the same thing with God. You can create a desire by simply keeping him in front of your face, right? And then you can put all your energy and effort into pursuing that, him, desiring him, pursuing him, right? But see, too many as Christians, we have it backwards and we're trying to pursue our worldly desires. Come on, most people will tell you that they think life is all about just what you can attain. The size house, the big, how big's your bank account, how big's your retirement fund. Now listen, all of those things are good, right? But there's a balance in all of this. There's an equation here and you've got to balance it out because you don't, you don't need to just get so caught up in your worldly, the fleshly desires that you don't desire anything from your source, which is God. He should be your source if he's not your source. Amen? And we've got it backwards. People are living their life pursuing their desires in their own strength. And they're trying to work hard to get them. They're trying to work all they can work, do all they can do. Some people are trying to steal all they can steal, doing everything they can in their own natural strength, trying to get those natural fleshly desires. And they're leaving God completely out of the equation. They're not desiring Him. They're not wanting Him to be in the mix at all. And, and they're losing sight of Psalm 37. It tells us, it says, to take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I think it's verse 4, right? They're losing. See, when you bring God in the equation and you put him first place in your life, and he's, that's your source. Not anything in this world is your source. And I get, I get kicked back whenever I say that because people are like, well, you just don't know my job. Man, I make $250,000 a year. That's my source. No, that's your way of making money on this earth, which was a, a benefit of the way that God gifted you and that God made you, and he, and he set you up to make that here on this earth. But ultimately, they came from God. God is your source. But see, too many people, or too many Christians, have it backwards. They're trying to, to pursue their desires and, get, and get, the, get the things that they want or the things they think are important in this life, and they're trying to do it only in their own strength. And guess what? They end up hitting a rock wall. And I remember when I went down this path, I lived my life without God for a long time, till my mid-20s. And I worked hard, and I tried to gain this, and I tried to do this. Some things we did were illegal to try to get things, just to try to get stuff, because we were trying to fill a void. We were trying to make ourselves happy, and we weren't including God in the equation at all, and we hit a wall. And we hit a wall. And this is what happens to a lot of people. They hit that wall, and then what do they do? Most of them, that's when they go to God. God, fix this. Fix this problem I created. Fix this. Get, get, take care of all of this. And then when they don't receive a miracle instantly, now they're mad at God. Amen. But they, the problem is, is they never brought God into the equation to begin with. Amen. Because you've got to be able to, to, to first of all, you've got to know your source, which is God. 
And then you got to desire that source. You got to desire that relationship with him, right? And then when you put him first, and, you, and you, we live in this broken world that's going to throw things against you all the time as you walk this earth. But you got to remember something. We're supposed to live by faith. The just is repeatedly the just by, live by faith. We're the just. We're to live by faith. We are to live by our trust and our faith in our heavenly Father. No matter what this world throws against us. And we're supposed to be able to stand there and we're supposed to be able to praise God in the middle of the hard things, right? And you're not praising him for what you're going through. See, God's not giving you that to, to, to teach you something. Now, he, you may be going through some hard things and he allows these things to happen to refine you to do the greater works that he says that you'll do. So if you're going through a tough time right now, God's, God's not giving you that to teach you that something. He's allowing that in your life right? To refine you for the greater works that he's calling you to do. You should embrace what you're going through. Not be happy that you're going through it, but you should praise God by faith for the way out of it. The fact that he's going to be with you through this whole time, through this entire time. And, uh, and, and praise him with the praise of faith. Because faith, faith is important, right? Because remember, faith is what taps into the power of God. And we saw that with the woman with the issue of blood. Look, let's, let's go there really quick. Go with me to Luke. Now, I'll tell you what, I like Mark's version of this better. Mark chapter 5. And we've talked about this before, but I want to touch on it again. The woman with the issue of blood. Verse uh, 24. Now, we know right here, Jairus' daughter is sick. And, and, and he's come to Jesus, and he's like, hey, can you help? Come. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but you can, come, can you come lay hands on her? Can you heal her? You know, can you come take care? And Jesus is like, all right, you know, put yourself in this store. He's like, all right, we'll get there. Just go with me. There's a lot of people around him right now. I mean, he, it goes on. It says they're surrounding him, right? Verse 24, it says, Jesus went with him, and he's going to Jairus' house, and he says, all the people followed, crowding it around him. All right? So they're all around him. There's thousands of people all around him, surrounding him, and they're all against him, trying to get to him because he's the man of God. You know, they, they know what he's, it's been said that he has done in this situation, right? And so he's walking through. But there was a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. So she had some type of a bleeding disorder, right? But this, is, this next verse, it says, She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. So what does that tell us, all right? This is an ordinary woman, just like us. We're just an ordinary person. And Jesus is walking through, right? It, it tells us that she's sick. She's got an illness. That's going, it's probably some, been diagnosed with this illness, and it's probably, it's probably going to kill her. And she's done everything in her natural strength. She's paid all, she's spent all of her money. She's gone to many doctors. She's done everything to fix this in her own strength. And she's at the bottom of a rope right here. As a matter of fact, you know, you can only imagine in this time and what's going on around her. She's probably giving up right now, right? And it goes on at first, it goes on and says, uh, uh, verse 27 says, she had heard about Jesus and so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Now, heard about Jesus is very important. Because what comes from hearing? Faith. Faith. 
right? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. She's sick. She's in her town and she's, she's dying. She's done everything in her natural strength right here, right? But she heard about Jesus. Now, what did she hear? She heard who he was. Can you imagine this? She's probably heard, you know, gossip or she's heard stories about what he's done, where he's been. He's raised the dead. He's done this. He's healed this one. He's healed that one. Guess what? What did that do on the inside of her? That built up faith on her. That encouraged her. Now, she, that faith started to rise at this point. Right? Because she needed something to latch on to, and now faith came. She heard faith came on the scene, right? And it goes on, it says, For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. All right, so as the faith rose up, what's happening here? She needed a contact point to put her faith in. She says, All right, this is the man of God. He's done all this miraculous thing. I believe it. So that's the key. I believe it, I believe it, and I'm going to put my faith in just touching the robe of his garment, and I'll be healed. And she wasn't, she was not, she was very determined, as we read on, and we'll see, right? And it goes on, and it says, because she touched his robe, for she thought to herself, I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask such a question? I mean, they were all over him. How can you ask him, who touched me? But he kept on looking around. Then the frightened woman, trembling, realization, what had happened? She came up, fell to her knees, told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole, made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, she heard about Jesus. And she believed what she heard. And she believed, and, and that's, that's what we call faith, rising up on the inside of her. Now, when Jesus walked through this crowd, was the power of God there? Absolutely, of course, of course it was. He's Jesus, right? So if the power of God was there, why wasn't all of these people around him, they were all against him and thronging, coming against him, pressing against him, as it says, how come those people weren't falling out? How come in the power of God? Or how come there's no other recording of a miraculous healing in this situation. The power of God was present, but what was different? Faith. Faith came on the scene. She had faith. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Her faith tapped into the power of God. The power was there, guys. The power was present. Because we know that Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith gives substance to the things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is when you believe something to the point where you see it without any doubt. Faith sees the unseen and brings it into the seen. Brings it into manifestation in your life. Glory to God. Listen, if you're... Somebody may be in here with... Um, that song goes right along with this. With, with, with this but it's kind of what inspired this. Uh, Somebody may be needing a miracle in their life. Now stop. And that's, that's okay. We all need those at some point. It can be financial. It can be healing. It can be, it can be whatever. Stop begging for it. Stop trying to get to that special church. Stop getting, trying to get to that special minister. Right? That minister over there, you know, he's got a big church. He must have a lot of anointing with him. Let me tell you something. 
The anointing that goes that flows through a minister in a 10,000 member church is the same anointing that flows through a member that has eight people in his church. It's the same anointing of God that flows through me, that flows through you when God is using you to do the works on this great earth right here that we live in. Amen. We have to stop Get to a place, if you need a touch, you need a miracle, stop begging for it. Stop looking for that right person to give it to you. Start by desiring God. Put Him first in every area of your life. Glory to God. And then as you do, and as you create a desire for Him, and as you begin to learn about Him, and as you begin to read His Word, what happens? Faith rises. Faith comes on the scene, guys. And then faith taps into the power of God, and things start to change in your life. Things start lining up with the way the Word of God says that they need to be lining up. Amen. Guys, that's why Jesus tells us in Mark 9, 23 that all things are possible to him that believe, to those that believe. Amen. See, people read that. Some people read that. Well, that's just that. I don't think that's what he meant. Well, why would you say that? Number one, you're not God, right? That's what, that's what Jesus said. He said, that's what it means. And let me just go... I'm getting a little sidetracked, but this is somebody needs this. Hebrews 11.1, 1, let's look at this. I want to read this because I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. Hebrews 11, verse 1. And we've read it many times. Some of you can probably quote it without even looking in your Bible. It says, faith is the assurance. Now that word assurance means the confirmation or the title deed. Now if you've got the title deed to something, that's yours. Right? That means uh, nobody else is going to get it. it. It is yours. You will hold it, and without a doubt, you know that it's yours. Right? There's no, uh, that's what faith is. Faith sees it. Faith knows that it's yours. And then it goes on. It says, it's the, the assurance of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Faith sees the answer before it manifests before you. Amen. And when you're standing in faith, sometimes it's a process of walking it out, being patient and going through the, going through the motions and believing God and, and doing what He leads you to do. Glory to God. And as you're walking that process, you've got to keep Him first, keep desiring Him and not stop. Guys, I've had to walk it out for years sometimes before I've received complete healing over a situation. I remember when I fell off the roof. Some of you know, we joke about that around here now. Pastor Allen fell off the roof. I was dumb. I did a dumb thing. Landed on my head. That was funny too. Wasn't for me, but you guys enjoy it, right? But when I fell off of that, it hurt. I messed my neck up, right? And, and, and it hurt for a long time, guys. I, I mean, it took me about eight months to persevere, to get through it, to get through the pain, to get through all of that. And, to get, and, and through that eight months... Did I ever stop declaring my healing, declaring that I'm going to walk in perfect health through this situation? I'm going to overcome it. I, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And, I, and guess what? I could have easily gone one month into it and given up. Well, this just ain't working. Let me go get some medication for this, and I'll just take medication for this situation for the rest of my life. Right? As a matter of fact, they gave me medication in the ER. I, I, and I'm not against medication. Don't get me wrong. But I don't take it unless I just absolutely have to. Right? Because that was some strong stuff they gave us. Goodness gracious. 
But listen, the point is, is I, I could have gave up. And I could have walked away and I could have blamed God. God, you're not going to take this. I'm not going to walk in that healing. I'm not. But I didn't. I persevered. I didn't waver. Glory to God. Because you've got to settle in your heart. God, God wants you living as the Word says. If, God, if the Word says you're an overcomer, that's how He wants you to live. If the, if the Word says that, that He's going to provide for you, that's how He wants you to live. And, and, and ultimately, and this is one that a lot of people can't grasp, is God wants you to accomplish what He created you for. People can't see the value in themselves, and it really frustrates me sometimes. And I know there's different reasons. Their upbringing and things that cause them to have low self-esteem, this, that, and other. Well, you need to understand that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and now your your new nature on the inside of you, you need to understand your upbringing ain't got nothing to do with it anymore. You're a new person. You're a new creation. Glory to God. Don't get hung up on it. You're valuable. He, he knew you before you were born and He created you to do some great things. And you've got to understand that. You've got to understand that. So we, 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 those, the guys that were here Friday night, and I was talking with some of them, some of the His Place guys. I mean, if you, you know that organization, those guys come from some hard, hard stuff. I mean, some of them have been involved in, you name it, from drugs to murder to you name it. They've been through some hard stuff. And the, and the reoccurring theme you see across the group was they feel worthless, right? And then and, and they feel like they're just, they're just living here to take up space. And I'm gonna, I, I had to sit with them, and, and, I, I, and not all of them were this way, but some of them have gotten beyond that. But it just opens your eyes to realize that people don't understand. They, they're important. And God created you for something that, that lives hang in the balance for. Now, we don't have to walk into that. God made us free, gave us free will to choose. You can choose not to pursue the plan that God has for your life, but glory to God, you should. Right? I don't know why I went off on that, but it's because so many people are just, oh, pastor, I'm just, I, I'm, just, I'm just not worthy. Well, no, none of us are worthy. But God loved you so much that He created you. He gifted you the way that He gifted you. And He gave you the talents that you have and the dreams in your heart, glory to God, all to accomplish something to advance the kingdom on this earth. Because when He sent Jesus back to this earth, He sent Jesus back with the intention of reestablishing His kingdom, putting us back into our rightful standing with God Himself and giving us our rightful dominion back on this earth. We just got to walk it all out by faith. Glory to God. Listen. All right, let's, let's get back to where we're, where we're going. Somebody, somebody needed that. But as we start this new year, guys, God wants you to be intentional. Be intentional about, about pursuing and about being the disciple that God wanted you to be. That means first, you've got to make, him, make God a priority in your life. Make God a priority, right? And now, I struggled with this for a long time. When I first got saved, you know, it's a learning process. And I didn't even know what a disciple looked like. And so I, I, I'm going to give you the verse that really helped me. When I, I, uh, and that is John 15, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. So if you don't know what a disciple is supposed to look like, we're about to tell you. And what, you need, what we need to do, and what I ended up, this is what helped, I'm just sharing with you what helped me. I grabbed hold of this verse. I forget who showed me this verse. I think the Holy Spirit did. But I grabbed hold of this verse, and what I ended up doing was I ended up looking at my life, looking at myself. So sometimes you've got to be willing to do this. Some people are not. 
And then I began to ask myself, where do I need to make adjustments? Where, 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 what do I need to change in order to be the disciple that I need to be? Amen? Because we're all called to be disciples, right? So if we read right here, this is going to give us the characteristics of a disciple. So when we read this right here, I'll read down to about verse 16. And we're going to give them here. And I'm going to give you, the, I'm going to give you a list. I don't do lists much, but I'm going to give you a list. But beginning in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, I tell you what, let me change that. That's the Amplified. Let me, I'll be reading for days, reading the Amplified. All right. <laughs> I am, <laughs> verse 1, it says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes to the branches that do not that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, right verse right there, I'm, I'm, let's just pop. I mean, you cannot interpret that verse any other way because people say, that's just not really what he meant. Well, how do you know that? And this is what Jesus said right here. He said it. I mean, if you get a hold of that, that right there ought to encourage you enough to keep God first place in your life. Oh, my gosh. All right. Verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you would be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. All right, now this right here, right here, we, we see the characteristics. All right? They're all right here. I'm going to give them to you. Right? And we also see in verse 11 that he give the reason why he gave us these characteristics. In verse 11, he says, I tell you these things. If you, in other words, he's saying if you live like this, if you live according to this, you will, you will not only will you have over a, an abundance of joy in your life. How many of you want joy in your life? Most everybody wants to be happy. I don't know. Well, I do know a few people that don't want to be happy, but that's okay. We pray for them. But not only will you have an abundance of joy, but you, it'll be overflowing. You can't contain it. Right? So, let's look at these things. The first characteristic we see of being a disciple, and I want you just to ask yourself, where do you, where do you fit in this equation? Or what adjustment do you need to make? Because I'm going to tell you, I had to make some. I'm being honest with you, because, guys, you, you've heard my testimony. I, I had a hard life the first 22 years of my life. 23, yeah, 22 years. And, I mean, went down some roads, some, 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 some tough roads. And I mean, there was a time in my life where I didn't even like people. I hated people. I was all consumed with what I wanted. Just get out of my way. It's about me. And so when I came to Christ, I had to learn to love people. And it was an interesting journey, right? It was. I, and, and now I have more compassion for people. I'll help anybody. I don't care if you got a million dollars or if you got two pennies. It doesn't matter. I see you. I love you. I want to help you. I want to give you what I can. If it's money, if it's clothes, if it's housing, if it's I'm going to do whatever I can because I love you, right? But anyway, we'll talk about that more. 
Let's get back to the characteristics. All right, the first one we see is in verse 4. Let's go back to verse 4. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So the first characteristic, if you're taking notes, is a disciple stays close to God. All right? Stays close to God. That's the first one. And a matter of fact, the King James Version right there says, abide in me. And when you break all that down, that word abide actually means, it, it's a, uh, it means to stand firm. It means to uh, stay close. And it's a, it, it's, it would be like a definitive way of saying that, that, that your roots are just, just ingrained all in me, in God. Right? In other words, you're unmovable. You're in there. Right? So that means, in other words, so so what does that mean? That means that you're going to stay put. You're going to abide in me means that you're going to stay in me, stay with God. That means that you're going to put all of your energy, all of your effort, everything that you have in pursuing a relationship with God, right? And then you're going to allow that relationship to fill every area of your life. See, this is where a lot of people miss it, is they don't bring God into every area of their life. And why do I say that? Because I did the same thing. I I, I spent quite a few years right off the bat just all over the place, on the fence. Some church, I had back in the world. I had a lot of friends in the world, so I had a lot of things trying to pull me back. So I went through that process, right? Glory to God. And let me just tell you something. If you're struggling with a lifestyle change, and that can be anything, that can be... Uh, struggling with an addiction. It can be struggling with, uh, now I'm, I used to be uh, a non-Christian, now I'm a Christian. That's a lifestyle change, pretty dra- drastic lifestyle change, right? Or you're, you're, what, anyway, if you're struggling with any of that, I want to encourage you to this. The only way it's going to happen is by you maintain, first getting that relationship with God and then maintaining an unbroken relationship with God. That's the only way it's going to happen, right? Amen. So the first one is a disciple stays close to God. Now, the second one we see right there in verse 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 5, it says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you go down to verse 8, it says, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. All right, so to the Father, the second characteristic of a disciple is you bear fruit. Now, that, what does that mean, bearing fruit? Well, I mean, you can go all the way back to Galatians 5.22 where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. So that should be one, the first thing is, is you should see the fruits of the Spirit coming out of your life, right? And you, bearing fruit means that when's the last time you shared your testimony? When's the last time you shared the Word, When's the last time you, you, you know, when's the last time you, uh, you, you showed the love of God through him leading you into giving someone a ride, buying somebody's groceries or buying someone's gas? I did that the other day. I was at the gas station. God put on my heart and just to buy this lady's gas. And I was like, okay, you know. And, you know, that's always an awkward moment because you don't know how people are going to take that. And when I walked up, and this, <laughs> this poor lady, she thought, I guess she thought I was going to rob her. You know, I guess I do. I look that way. I look that I don't know. I just walked up and I said, excuse me, man. I'd like to pay for your gas. She was back stepping like this. What you want? She was like, what do you want? What are you doing? What are you? It took her a minute. All right. I said, no, I've tried to explain to her. I'm trying to pay for your gas. No, 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 no. I was like, well, I really want to pay for your gas. You know, eventually I talked her into it. 
But she let me do that, right? <laughs> it was so funny. When I walked up, I was like, oh, no, no. It's okay. I just want to pay you. Listen, are you bearing fruit in your life? When God tells you to do something, do you do it? You know, that, and a lot of people, a lot of, most people, even myself, have struggled with this for, in the beginning when I first came to Christ of, of, of when God would tell me to do something financially for somebody else. And that's a, that's a biggie for people. Because that money's that's theirs. They, 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 when God drops it on your heart to 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 pay someone's rent and their their or rent or their mortgage payment, and it's fifteen hundred dollars a month, you start thinking, "Whoa, wait a minute, God!" You know, you start talking to God. Then, well, look, you know, I could use that fifteen hundred over here because I'm desiring this boat over. You know, no, you need to bear fruit. You need to bear fruit, and that leads me into the next next characteristic of a disciple, right? And we see that in verse 10, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, this is the one nobody wants to talk about. So I'm not going to talk about it long, but I am going to point it out, because this was the one that I, had to, I struggled with the most. Verse 10 says, When you obey my commandments, ouch, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments, and remain in His love. All right, so the next characteristic of a disciple is obedience. Obedience. And this is the one where we get the most kickback on. I had a guy that was working for me one time, and we were talking about this subject because uh, we were out at a restaurant, and God just put on my heart to buy someone's lunch, and so I did. And we knew the guy, and, and I knew he was struggling, but still God told me to do it. And, and so this guy was asking, why are you doing that? Man, why are, you, why are you giving that guy money? Don't you know what kind of life he's living in this, that, that, that? And I told him, I said, I'm obeying what God told me to do. He said, well, I'm a grown man. I don't do what I want to do. I don't have to obey nobody. And I might obey my boss. That's what it, that was. This was an attitude, right? Right? But listen, not a good attitude, right? And he didn't make it very far. Glory to God. But listen, when you obey God, and, and when, not only when he's telling you to do things, but when you obey his principles in his word, and you obey in his guidelines in his word, right? That's when you begin to live as a true disciple, right? And, and that's what brings glory to the Father, right there. Actually, when you study this out, he's, what he's telling you is right, right here is, is where you find what it means to live in the God's love is through pursuing him. That's where you find that. Does that unsink in for a minute, right? So... All right, for the sake of time, let me get on through this. The, the, the next one I want to talk to you really quick, I'm just going to hit them, is, is love, right? We see throughout this is love. And, and how's your love walk? Is love coming, are you, are you, are you, does, does it come out of you, right? And, and you don't answer this, I mean, you answer it to yourself. Are you walking in love? And I know it's tough. Life hits you, somebody makes you mad, somebody made me really mad the other day. And I want to tell you, some of the old fleshly ways started to rise up, and I really wanted to hurt them, right? I dreamed about it for a minute, and then I repented and went on, and was, I was very nice to them, right? Same thing happened to Michelle the other day. She was on the phone with the gas company. You know, we had forgot to call, and right on New Year's Eve, we had to call them to deliver us some gas so we wouldn't run out. The lady was extremely ugly to Michelle on the phone, and she came in there, and I could see her face. I was like, oh, what just happened? This woman, you know, can you believe what she was doing? I don't have to buy my gun. We're getting it. We're not getting rid of everything gas in our house. You know, all of this. And then, of course, I'm like, I just sit there. Okay, you know, all right, you know. A few minutes later, she comes back. Well, you know, it's okay. 
I'm okay now. You know? <laughs> How's your love walk? Just ask yourself that. That's enough. Now, these are the, these are, those are the basic characteristics of, a, of being a disciple of Jesus, right? And, of course, we see in verse 11 that he tells us, if you live this way, you're going to have an abundance of joy in your life. Now, I'm going to close with this really quick because this is very important. And that's two things I want you to get. And we talk about, started out by talking about how God wanted you to be intentional about being his disciple, about pursuing his, him, being that disciple, about being intentional about desiring him. Now, why did he want me to use that word intentional? It's because there's a lot of things in this world competing for your attention. A lot of things competing for your attention. Because this is why, and people don't realize this, guys. People don't realize, they're not intentionally, not all of them are intentionally turning their back on God. But they're allowing the things of this world, and it can just, it's just, it can be just life. If you allow it, will compete and consume all of your attention, right? And then that becomes all of your focus, right? And then that's, that's what you want to do, everything. And then they end up stealing that relationship from God. Because now, guess what? You don't have time. And that's one of the biggest hindrances. The biggest hindrances to being a disciple of God is you don't have to... People are too busy. Too busy. And, 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 and no time for prayer. No time to read their word. No time to serve. No time to... And I'm not pointing anybody out. Please don't misunderstand me. You ask yourself, how do you fit in this equation? Where do I need to adjust? No time to, to no time to for a small group, no time for a hospital visit, no time to go cut someone's grass, no time to wash someone's car, no time to what none of these no time Pastor, don't you know I've got three kids, they've got sports, they've got this, they've got that. I gotta get them here, I gotta get them there, I gotta get back, I've gotta work. You don't know what I go through, and I remind them really quick, I have seven kids, I know exactly what you're going through. Right? I do. I understand. But listen, I'm a firm believer in something. I think people get busy to avoid dealing with life. It's an easy answer. When things are happening in their life, instead of dealing with that, it's, I'm just too busy. I've got to focus over here. I got, I'll deal with that later. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I'll deal with that later. I'll, I, guys, don't get too busy. Don't let this overtake your relationship for God because we just learned right there that if you want overflowing joy in your life, how does it come? Pursuing God. If you live according to the, as being the characteristics of a disciple, pursuing God, you'll have over and abundance and overflowing joy. Glory to God. If, figure out how you fit in this equation. And I'm closing with this, I promise. I promise you this. This is very important. Don't allow yourself, because this is something God he told me when, we were, when I was praying, and he, he just told me, he said, my people are becoming desensitized to me. They're becoming desensitized. I thought, wow. So I started doing a little research on that. You know, there's desensitization uh, therapies. They use it for anxieties and fears and all of these things. And, and I found out you can be desensitized to bad things in your life, but you can also become desensitized to the good things. And this is, I'll give you an example. Because Hemp and I were having a conversation, and we were talking about language. You know, how many of you know that in society today, language is just not, the way my mama would have liked it, right? It's really not. But Ham, and Ham, he, he was raised all in the church, and he, he's a good man. 
And he, he, he doesn't fall in the worldly ways. He's like his daddy. He's stubborn and he's going he's gonna to stand for God and he's going he's gonna to do what he needs to do. And that's why they call him preacher there. But he's in an environment. And he even told us when he first got there, I'm alone. But what he told me was, he said, Dad, he said, we were talking about the foul language and this, that, and other. He said, Dad, I hear F-bombs so much, I don't even hear them anymore. He's only been there eight weeks. He's become desensitized to it. And now it's just becoming, it's acceptable in the group. Guys, you can see how this has progressed in society. We've heard it so much. We've heard, and, we, and, we, and generations of kids have raised hearing it. And, and, and so now it's just acceptable. Why? Because we've heard it so much, it's just, it's just what everybody does. But wait a minute, if you weigh that against the Word of God, First Peter tells us that you don't give way to that. The Scripture tells us that we're going to be held accountable for it. And I'm just making a point. The world says it's okay, but yet the Word of God says it doesn't. We've desensitized ourselves to that. And just like we... And see, God's been, I mean, Satan's been working for a long time to, to desensitize the world to sin. That's why so many things are accepted today that are contrary to God's word. So many lifestyles. Well, the world says it's okay. Just because it gets portrayed and through technology and through media and gets all thrown out in our face and generations of kids are raised up and they see it on television, they see it on their computers, they see it over and over and over and over. Guess what? They're desensitized to it. There's no wow factor. And now it's okay. That's just the way life is, isn't it? But see, the, what God wants me to make sure you guys understand is don't allow yourself to get desensitized to Him. Because He said, He said, my people have been doing church so long that they don't see the value in it anymore. And not, not intentional. People are, people are not, they're not intentionally doing it. They, they don't realize it's happening. And I'm not pointing anybody out or pointing you out, and, and I hope that's none of you. But if it's one of you, see how you fit in this equation and don't allow yourself to become desensitized to the things of God. Amen. Glory to God. I'm going to close with that. I really am. Guys, don't allow it. That's very important. Very important. Don't get so busy that you forget about your source. Don't get so busy that you forget about God. Right? And don't allow yourself to become so desensitized that you, you don't see the, the, the importance of God that you don't understand the power of God, that you don't understand that the, 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 everything about God and His kingdom and His, and His word is valuable. It's very important, right? Guys, please, please, I want to encourage you to do that. Amen. And as you start this new year, be intentional. That's why you got to be intentional. Because if you don't push yourself to do this, to be that disciple... You, you will subtly, behind the scenes, the world will consume you and separate you from God. It happens all the time. Don't be one of those statistics. Amen.